And we are back 43 minutes after 11 o'clock. Our Hello, Joy Coffee, Tom. My pleasure to welcome back to the show, Richard A. Bear, A. Bear's Garden Center. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Now that spring is here. It is. <laughs> and just in time for my um, poinsettia to start developing brocks. Really? Yes. Okay. I was so, so excited when I so saw them. So the color is changing. Yeah. So isn't that a sign of spring? It's got, I think it's the first. There you go. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Spring is here. The poinsettias are changing. Perfect. It used to be the pecans are budding, but I'm going with yours. The no poinsettias doubt. are changing. You brought with you a tree today. Yeah, I did. This is a tomato tree, I guess okay. you'd call it. But it's actually a, a well-established tomato plant, which you think, about 18 inches tall, Jeff. And oh, I'd really say bigger than that. Bigger than that, maybe two feet. It has flowers on it, huh? So if you want to beat your neighbor, this is the thing to beat it with. And a particular variety is called Better Bush. It's basically uh, one that is great for a container because it won't get as big. Instead of getting, you know, five feet tall, it'll get around three feet tall and just makes a, a, a nice condensed plant. Now, you know, the biggest question we're getting is does the, um, you know, is it too early? And the short answer is if you can't protect it or can't kind of work it a little bit, it is definitely too early. Um, so, but if we wait too long, you know, like last year, the heat just came on, especially with a tomato plant. They don't set as well in the heat. It's just, it's just you know, just harder to do. So, uh, you know, if you're planting, if you got a row and you're planting 30 tomato plants, you just forget it. You, and they know you just, it's too early, you know, to, to, to roll that dice. Last year, around March 14th, March 15th, 16th, we got a freeze. It was a, it was a slight freeze, but just enough, 32 for, you know, an hour was enough for this type of plant to cause problems. And so, uh, but if you can protect it or, or at least be prepared to protect it, uh, yeah, go ahead and, uh, you know, I'll plant four tomato plants this weekend at my house and, and I'll be able to kind of, kind of tweak that if it gets cold. If it freezes hard enough, I'm going to have to give it some heat. But uh, a frost or anything like that is very easy to control. So the odds are... The odds are generally the middle of middle of March is your average um, last freeze date, and that's an average, and so we just don't know what's going to happen. But if you can get an early start, it is wise, especially when it comes to tomato plants because they don't like the heat. People always like to get a, uh, an early start on some of the plants, Jeff, that can take the heat and, and grow, grow really, really fast. And the two biggest ones are is okra and cucumbers. That's a big one that's planted a lot in this area. And it's two that hate the cold. In fact, they don't. They they just if it thinks about getting cold, they don't <laughs> like it. And so, and but like me, that's right. And and but but it's it's not like a tomato plant that that you know you plant the seed. It takes you three weeks to get a transplant, and uh, or four weeks to get a transplant. So it doesn't take long. You plant you direct seed oak, you direct seed cucumbers. They come up fast if the soil is warm, and uh, if the temperatures are warm. So uh, you know. Th- because of the speed of the growth, you don't. It's not as um, critical that you get an earlier start. Now, when it comes to peppers and eggplant, a little bit more cold sensitive, and yeah, it would be a good idea to get an earlier start on on peppers. Eggplants, not so much. They can take the heat much, much better than any of this. Uh, I found that eggplants actually did remarkably well last year in this drought and the heat. So, not as critical with those. But but uh, tomatoes is, is one that you ideally want to get a. Uh, an earlier start. What are some of the things that you can direct seed now to get an early start? I brought some of that, and this is uh, sweet corn. Sweet corn will come up. 
when we're talking about direct seeding, we're meaning that you're going to plant it directly in the ground. You're not going to plant it in a, in, a, in a little cup and transplant it. But so what you want to look for in a seed is something that will grow in a, in a cold soil, that will germinate in a cold soil. Sweet corn is one that will germinate in a cold soil. Snap beans is one that will uh, 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 sprout in a, in a, in a cold soil. And, and uh, seed potatoes that we talked about uh, a week or two ago. Uh, that'll come up in a cold soil. So those you want to get uh, an early start. Also, the corn, the beans, and the potatoes will take a little bit north wind. So it's not like, it's not like a cucumber that boy they just they just uh, you know melt when it when it when it uh, the wind starts to blow. So all these you want to get an early start. You can get a, a harvest in. Remember, you know uh, when it comes to beans, the heat. Uh, will tear up the flowers and they they may flower but they won't set any any beans so getting an early start is is worth it and then the nice thing about it is when it comes to all of these you know the cost is minimal because you know you're buying the seed snap beans and all that is relatively inexpensive so if you do have once every four years you lose some of it it's worth the risk because you'll you'll it'll pay off uh, as time goes on so keep that in mind uh, you know, okra, actually, we haven't got, got all the okra in yet, but it's just way too early. They just don't like it. Cold soils, they will not germinate. And, and it'll be fine in the worst of the heat. It, exactly. And that's another one that did extremely well, uh, okra, and we knew that would do well. But it, it, it's one that tolerate the heat and the dry. Just had to get a little water to it. If you mm. didn't get a little water to it, it, it struggled. But, but you know, minimal water, and, and uh, they will they will set the fruit. Uh, one that, another one that, People is uh, they'll try uh, you know uh, uh, butter beans or lima beans. It's another popular one, not quite as popular as a snap bean, but that is one that will not germinate in a cold soil. So even though if you get it up, it'll be fine, but to get it to germinate, uh, it's really difficult. So you got to wait on that. So it's kind of uh, you know lesson learned. We always get out these cultural recommendations, which is basically put out by the Extension Service, and that tells you time to plant. It gives you kind of variance and and it kind of gives you some ideas, but. Uh, you know, certainly in terms of, you know, preparation, you want to kind of get on top of it right now and prepare it. And that's uh, kind of brought in some uh, some different types of soil test kits and then want to discuss that. Uh, Jeff, you know, the most important thing uh, that the, uh, you know, the listeners can, can learn from this talk right here is pH is vital in terms of uh, the growth, the production, uh, survivability, uh, y- you know, uh, uh, j- just the overall health of a plant. pH is so critical, and pH basically is uh, allows if if the pH of the soil is either too high or too low, what happens is the plant cannot pick up the nutrients that you may be putting down. You know, so when we ask people, we say, "Well, he's, my plants aren't growing. Is have you? Fr- oh yeah, you know, once a month I'm putting down a granule, asking what it is, and if the plant is not is not picking it up or not growing enough." There are other factors that could be there. However, that's, a, that's the first one we want to go to because it's the easiest one to find out what the pH is and then how to adjust it. So once we know we got the pH correct in the soil, then everything in terms of the soil should work out really, really well, meaning that when you put fertilizer down and the pH is correct, that plant will pick up 80% of that fertilizer and absorb it and use, utilize it, whereas if it's off, it may only pick up 20%. So, you know, you could be putting down a lot of fertilizer and nothing happening, and that is usually the case. There are other factors, but it's the easiest one to solve because you can know what you have. The pH of, in general, 
but each plant is different. But a, uh, for for uh, vegetable plants, it's six point five is ideal, and you know the pH uh, you know it varies from uh, you know one to fourteen. And you say, oh, my pH was is six point five. My pH was seven point five. That's a big difference, and uh, so you want to get it to where it goes. So. A soil test right now is important. There are kits that we sell, LSU. Also, we, we give LSUs away, and you buy it from LSU. And uh, uh, that will give you uh, not only pH, but it will tell you how much nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium you have in your soil. You know, what we like to tell the listeners is that if you get your pH right, everything else will fall in the for the most part. I mean, if you have some, you know, you know, uh, extremely high phosphorus levels, then maybe it's a problem. But usually it's, it's a non-issue. The pH is important. These so- this little kit I'm showing Jeff. I thought it, that's from afar. I thought that's what that was. Yeah, so this will do 40 kit, uh, forty tests. So I, I don't know. This may may run uh, around 20 bucks or something like that. So for 40 tests, it's really, really cheap. And you can do it yourself. Uh, we also sell the meters. Okay, and like this one right here, Jeff has uh, it's a little media stick in the ground, and it's moisture, light, and pH. Um, the kits where you can actually do it the side, pretty much how LSU is doing it, and 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 actually read it yourself as opposed to the meters. These are really good once you've done a test. Let's say you've you've done a test and you've got your pH correct, and you've done it through the uh, either through the LSU or we have a private one, or you've done your own test by mixing you know, distilled water and getting it correct. Once you've done that and you know what your pH is, this is a good one to maintain it and say, okay, uh, I'm going to do this twice a year with the little meter to make sure it's correct. Uh, and then and then, so it's a good way to maintain it. But really, if you just start out or you've never done it and you have no idea, we think going this route would be much, much better. Um uh, the the, uh, the one that's, that you actually do the test with the distilled water and the capsule and, and, and looking at the coloration will do nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and pH. Uh, you know, we tell the customer, you really don't have to do the nitrogen one because the nitrogen will leach out. You're always going to need nitrogen. Phosphorus and potassium are important, but again, pH is the one that if you're going to redo a test or you don't want to do all the all four tests, you do the pH, everything will, will uh, work out in the long run. So now is the time to do it. If you're going to send off to LSU or some of the private ones, it'll take you at least a week, maybe two to three weeks before you get the results. The more we get into spring, the more people will do it, the, the more they get overwhelmed. So now is a great time. And basically what you're doing is if you have a raised bed or if it's a, you know, you, you're going to take a, a, a core sample about two or three inches into the soil and, and put this into the uh, bag and sit, and they'll get back with you. Or you'll actually put into the little, you know, the little vials, and you'll you'll add the distilled water. The water, if you're going to do it yourself, distilled water is important because it's pH neutral. So if you start, if you add the uh, the loco water, they have lime in it, so it's going to be. going to say, yeah. So it's going to be pH high, so that's going to really screw your results up. So distilled water is very important to get a true reading, and it is it is very accurate, and uh, and uh, and so you can you can make your adjustments and do that. So. You know, obviously, there are other things in soil, and, and probably the next most important thing is going to be organic matter. You always want to have a lot of organic matter in the soil. Uh, and what is a lot? 20 to 30 percent organic matter mixing your soil. Organic matter is peat moss, uh, cow manure, di- uh, composted cow manure, uh, 
composted mushroom, uh, just a, or natural compost that you do at your house mm. where you can have your own compost and can you that is vital especially uh in south louisiana because these warm temperatures and moisture uh, uh ph breaks i mean the uh, organic matter breaks down very rapidly so you you, you want to constantly every time you plant uh you want to add uh organic matter every time you plant and because it will go away and break down so that's probably the two most important things. Now, when it comes to fruit, people want to come in the store, Jeff, and say, look, I wanna, I'm going to add my organic matter, I'm going to add my fertilizer, and I'm going to plant in three weeks, and I'm ready to go. And everything is correct there except the fertilizer. And just remember, when it comes to fertilizer, fertilizer leaches, right? So we always tell people to side dress their plants as they grow every four to six weeks. So if you would add your fertilizer four weeks before you plant, it's gone. By the time you plant, it's mm. gone. Maybe the weeds have picked it up. But, but on, and so you really don't the long the earliest I would do it before you plant would be a week, um, and some people will do it because they use some of the old fertilizers that that aren't that are fast release, and so they want to say they wanted to kind of uh, you know break down a little bit, and that's fine. But really, some of the newer ones that are slow release you can do at the time of planting, and that's probably the smartest way to do it. You know exactly where the plants are going to be, and then you can add it. Um, um, to make it go and, and other than that uh your soil should be ready if you've tilled it you've added your organic material you know your ph you're gonna know what you need to add what you don't need to add and because you can you know people come in and want to add lime every season and i just know that if you continue to add lime every season it's going to raise that ph too high and at some point it's going to be diminishing returns meaning that because that ph is getting higher and higher and higher the result, the plant will, again, what we talked about, will pick up less fertilizer and therefore produce less. So you, that's something you don't want to do. If someone hasn't, hasn't done a pH test and they don't know, uh, you know what the soil is, and I ask them, I said, have you ever added lime to your soil? And they say no. I said, well, it's probably a safe bet that you can add the lime. But don't do it every year once you've done it and do it uh, and get the, uh, your pH correct in time. And basically, Jeff, the uh, uh, the other big issue right now is going to be lawns. Everybody's the weeds are coming out, and so they they want to really start attacking. And we talk about the weed and feeds or any fertilizer. You really don't want to do any fertilization of the lawns right now. Uh, you're going to produce a lot of lush growth. And let's say we don't get any uh, frost or freezes, still could do a lot of damage because there's there's a uh, bacteria called brown patch that comes in the spring, and it attacks any fresh lush growth in the in the lawn and it comes out early generally except weeds. march except weeds that's <laughs> right jeff you're not amazed except the weeds and it comes early in march because that's when the night temperatures are cool and it's kind of adjusting and boy if you if you fertilize now and you get that grass nice and lush uh, you're much more vulnerable to brown patch than a person who doesn't so just just hang in there and wait but there's things you can do for the weeds there's sprays that you can spray that'll kill the weeds there are pre-emergence which are important to put down now before all the weeds sprout that you can put down to prevent the weeds from coming up and if you do that you won't be as anxious to use the weed and feed and say man i gotta do something the the, the weeds are taller than my house and so so there's things that you can do without fertilizing the yard that will will uh, eliminate and slow down potential new growth and just hang in there to around the middle of March, depending on weather, to put down your weed and feed or just your general fertilizer to make it happen. Gotcha. Anything else you want to share before I've, we let you go? I think that's it, Jeff. All right. Uh, excited about my poinsettias. Uh, 
they're going to be a showpiece coming up soon. So <laughs> Sounds good. Again, appreciate you coming by as always. We'll look forward to the next time. Thank you, Jeff.